God has some pretty good stuff in store for us here because it is Father's Day. Father's Day. We've got such an amazing Heavenly Father. Um, and so, just so that I don't forget, also, we have another event coming up Saturday. Um, the ladies' breakfast is this coming Saturday at 930. So, so we're celebrating you ladies as well, of course. Um, so make sure you come on out to that. Women's breakfast is Saturday at 930. Um, but today as we celebrate Father's Day, you know, we, we start way back in the beginning of fatherhood. And I never dreamed that this would be something that is controversial to share. And it should not be. But it's so encouraging to remember back in Genesis that God created mankind. God created mankind. He created them what? Male and female. And what did God say about us being male and female? He said, it is good. Didn't he? It's a good thing. Good thing. He created male and female, and then he said he created them to leave their mother and father. And in some years and sometimes, parents are saying, it is good. It's a good thing. Go, live your life. Stop coming back home. <laughs> I saw a meme the other day about, you know, college kids coming back home, and it showed this, this kid with a grocery cart coming to the house, you know, and... <laughs> God then created them, male and female, man and woman, to marry and to become one. Man, is that a messy, conflicting, crazy thing? But he said it was good that they would lead their mother and father and become one flesh. And of course, it wasn't just a, a matter of living life together and cooperating with one another you know, in that level of intimacy, there's also obviously a physical aspect to it. And he said to go forth and to multiply, to produce children. And God said again that it was good. And so in the world of confusion, as I say, if God said that that was good, I'm just going to call it good too. I'm just going to yes and amen it and agree with him. It's good. It's good. There's one thing, however, and I remind us of this every Father's Day, that God said was not good. I mean, he created everything, just spoke, created everything. And there was only one thing about his creation that he said was not good. And that was for what man to be alone, right? And if you remember what God's solution was to that problem, it wasn't good for man to be alone. God didn't create a bunch of other guys out of the mud and be like, here's your buddies, right? <laughs> no, he, he, that wasn't his solution. His solution was to create woman. And only then was man complete. And I really scratched my head about that. Because I'm like, you know, why? You know, why couldn't Adam? There's so many other solutions. But God just, he, he knows what he's doing. So we're just going to agree with him in that matter. But, um, and then I got to thinking about it. And there are some reasons why God said it's not good for man to be alone. Even with a group of buddies, right? And here are some of the reasons why. <laughs> a real lady stealer right there. But <laughs> You see, because guys, when we're around each other, and when the other one gets hurt, you heard the reaction instantly every time. Laughter, right? <laughs> every single time. It's like, you okay, buddy? You know, but yeah. <laughs> now, uh, you know, I remember whenever our kids are growing up, you know, and they got hurt, you know, my initial reaction was exactly that, you know. And Becky's like, oh, honey, are you okay? Are you okay? Stop laughing at them. 
It's not good for man to be alone. You, you, we, we need, we need our, our women, right, men? It's not good. <laughs> not good for man to be alone. But equally, we see that it's also not good for children to go without fathers. Children go without fathers. Some of the statistics, they are heartbreaking. They show that fatherless homes, they account for 85% of children with behavioral disorders, 70% of adolescents who are in drug and alcohol treatment centers, 90% of all homeless and runaway children. Children raised in fatherless homes, they're five times more likely to live in poverty. Girls are seven times more likely to become pregnant in their teen years. All kids are twice as likely to drop out of school, and they're, of course, far more likely to commit crime and end up in prison. Just because a father isn't present in the house. It's not good. It's not good because if God created things one way and he said it is good, then whatever other convoluted way you can come up with living life, it's not going to be as good. It's not going to be good, right? He, he, he knew what he was doing, believe it or not. And more heartbreaking than that is that according to the Census Bureau, currently 25% of children live without a father in the home. That's 18.4 million, 18.4 million children in the United States of America live without a father at, at uh, home. And what's worse than that is that if they were somehow able to take into account the amount of households who have a man living at home, but he's an absentee father. He, he's not really plugged in. He's not connected with the family. You know, whether that's out of just a, an obligation that he just has to work multiple jobs and long hours, that he just can't be at home because he's busy providing for, you know, his family, or whether it's just because they just chose to check out or, you know, they have some kind of addiction problem themselves. You know, those statistics would go uh, even further. Fatherlessness is a growing, growing issue in our country, and it affects all of us as a society. It affects everybody. Fatherlessness. Breaking. And that's why today it's especially important not just to recognize fathers, but especially to recognize the men who stepped up and chose to be a father to children that are not their own biological children. So if that's you this morning, stand up and keep standing. If you're raising children that are not biologically yours, you're either adoptive or fostering or a stepdad. I know that's a lot of you here, so step on up. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, come on, Donnie. <laughs> and keep standing. Also, if you personally were raised by somebody who was not your biological father, stand up and keep standing, everybody. Yeah, you know, just take a look around. Fatherlessness affects even our little personal family, right? Sorry, I may have a seat, but we're just. Proud of y'all for stepping up, for manning up, right? Yes, absolutely. Now, beyond all the social and economic issues and everything with fatherlessness, there was another issue that fatherlessness causes um, that we don't talk about as much, but, but Paul wrote about it. And we find that here in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15 to 17. Spiritual fatherlessness. In fact, Paul said here, even if you had 10,000 guardians... And depending on what translation you read, that word can be translated to tutors, teachers, instructors, guides in Christ. 
Can you imagine that? I can't imagine sitting under the teachings of 10,000 different men. But even if you had all of that, all that wisdom and knowledge and impartation, even if you had all that in Christ, you still don't have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, Paul wrote, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this very reason, I've sent you Timothy, my son whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. And this, again, was not his biological child, Timothy, a spiritual child. Paul said, he will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in the church. Everywhere in every church. Everywhere in every church. The way he lives, his way of life, agrees with what he teaches. This is so key. You don't have a lot of people that live that way. You've got a whole lot of people who will tell you what to do. Tutors, teachers, instructors, guides, guardians, they'll tell you how to live your life. Everybody has got an opinion. And I won't tell you the, the, the worldly cliche about that. Everyone's got something. They got an opinion too. You know, you should value it just about as much. But a good father, a good father is not just one who disciplines you when you screw up and tells you how to act right. A good father is one who lives a godly life worth following. That's what a good father does. A father leads by example. In fact, here are the same verses in the message translation. Um, Paul says, I'm writing as a father to you, my children. I love you. I want you to grow up well, not spoiled. There are a lot of people around who can't wait to tell you what you've done wrong. But there aren't many fathers who are willing to take the time and the effort to help you grow up. It was as Jesus helped me proclaim God's message to you that I became your father. I'm not, you know, asking you to do anything that I'm not already doing myself. That's from the message translation, the same verses, and I love the way it's written there. Because a good father, a good father lives that example, right? And so I've got three fathering tips for you and for myself this morning that we need to live up to. And the first one is exactly that. Just live an example. Because whether you like it or not, they're going to follow your example. They're going to follow your example. How many people know, you know, children who grew up abused or, or grew up under, you know, alcoholism, and they hated that way of life, but then they grew up to do it themselves? You know? I don't know how many times I can tell you I see my dad and my mom coming out of my mouth, right? You know? Whether you like it or not, children are going to follow your example. They just are. Remember, it's that, that, that um, uh, what is it, uh, I think it's in Corinthians, you know, bad company corrupts good character, you know. Good, good company can also corrupt bad character in a good way. It can happen, but you're going to be like the people that you're around. You know, the people that you choose to have company with, that's how you're going to live. And um, fathers have just a very unique responsibility in life you know kids are going to follow your example um, all kinds of cool songs about too but i'm not going to bore you with that this morning but a good father is one who lives an example of godly living it's a father who sets the example and doesn't ask their children to live in a way that they aren't themselves living you've heard it said before but you know it's a lie you know that whole do as i say not as i do right it just doesn't work that way even if you tell them that 
this is wrong, you know, uh, uh, well, I won't, I won't call anyone in particular, you know, but, you know, if you tell, tell your kids not to do something and you're doing it yourself, chances are they're going to end up doing it too, you know, it doesn't matter what you say, it's how you live that really has the biggest impact. Um, and in fact, Jesus spoke out against the experts of the law for doing this exact thing. Uh, Luke chapter 11, verse 36, um, you know, they're challenging him and Jesus replied, and you, you experts in the law, woe to you. You load people down with burdens that they can hardly carry. And you yourselves won't lift one finger to help them. Because a good father doesn't just teach your children to do what is right. They come alongside of them as an example and they help them to do what is right. And when their kids screw up because we all are going to make mistakes, right? We're all going to sin. We've all fallen short of God's glory. What does our heavenly father do? He helps pick us up, forgive us, and he helps, helps empower us to do what is right, to make it right. And that's why I always have told my kiddos, you know, okay, you screwed up, you know, you messed up. Here's the question, what can you do to make it right? You know, beyond just going and asking someone to forgive you, what can you do to make it right? You know, <laughs> I've had lots of examples that way, like, all right, I asked you, how did I ask you to do it? You know, blah, 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 this way. You think there might have been a reason that I asked you to do it that way? Yeah. Okay. You know, we, most recently, not to put mixed gas in, in, in your tractor, you know, because mixed gas are just one-gallon jugs. Those are easy to carry, aren't they? Five-gallon jugs? Who wants to carry those things around, right? So I'm not mentioning any names. Sorry, but <laughs> like, all right, so what are we going to do? You know, grab the pliers, separated it, the filter, and dumped it out into the uh, containers again, you know? You do what you can to make it right, you know? You made a mistake, you screwed up, whatever, you know, that's, that's done. You can't change that. But what can we do to correct it, to make it right? And what can we learn from it, more importantly, right? What can we learn from it so we don't make that same mistake over again? Because no matter how or what our earthly fathers may have been like, we have a good, good father available to us. We've got the absolute best, perfect example for our lives to follow. And he's not just telling us how to live. He didn't just write the Bible and lay down the law and say, this is how you do it. He wrapped himself in flesh and he lived it. He's not asking us to do anything that he didn't do himself, right? In fact, I, I love the way the New Century Version says the same scripture. Um, do I have it up here? Nope, I don't. But anyways, I'll read it off to you here. Um, in the New Century Version, Luke chapter 11, verse 46, it says, Jesus answered, how terrible for you, you experts on the law. You make strict rules that are very hard for anyone to obey. But you yourselves don't even try to follow your own rules. We've got to be careful as fathers not to do that, to have expectations for our kids. We want them to do better than us. We want them to go further in life than us. But we can't expect them to do something that we won't do ourselves, Right? That we aren't willing to at least get down in the trenches with them and help them do it, right? And to show them how to do it, to live that life. Setting the example. Um, in fact, God, the Heavenly Father, he paid the highest price of his own son so that we might be able to live right lives by giving us the Holy Spirit. The Father's own presence in our lives so that we can live rightly. So we can do what he's asking us to do. He empowered us. He gave us the ability to do what he's asking us to do. Because he's a good father, and that's what good fathers do. The Holy Spirit doesn't just convict us when we do things that are wrong, but he also guides us and empowers us 
to do what is right. In fact, Jesus said he wasn't going to leave us as orphans. He was going to send us the advocate, the comforter, the, the counselor, the intercessor, um, our helper. He was going to send the Holy Spirit so that the Father's presence could be with us. It's so, so important. We were not abandoned. We were not left alone. In fact, this is the scripture I referred to earlier. Psalm 68, verse 5 through 6, says that God is a father to the fatherless. He is a defender of widows. That is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He, he leads out the prisoners with singing. But the rebellious, they continue to live in a sun-scorched land. So our second good fathering tip is just to be present. God knows how important it is just to be present. Just to be there. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit. So that he could be present with us. So important just to be present. Just to be available to your children. And I'm not just talking about during the toddler years or teen years. Your kids are your kids forever. For life. And it sounds so simple. But in today's world... It is becoming more and more challenging to be present and available for your kids. I mean, we're so divided. We are so busy. You know, we, we drag along with us our, our jobs, our friends, our, our memes, our projects, the news, just about anything else that we can do to distract us. You know, you, you, if you just take a look around any restaurant, it's rare to see a family sitting together anymore. And when you do, what are they usually doing? Nate, show them what they're usually doing. Yeah, they usually got their phones in their faces, right? They're not alone as a family. They've drug all kinds of people to that table, right? And you're not really paying attention to your family anyways. God is the only one, the only one who can truly be omnipresent. All places at all times, right? Because often we're present, but our presence is divided. We're there but we're not fully there and aware of what's happening. We're very unipresent. Even if you're an amazing multitasker, you can still only give one thing your full attention and focus at any given time. You may be able to juggle several at one time, but you're still only focusing on one thing at one time. And your children de deserve more than your divided attention. Our children deserve to know that they are a priority to us. And we communicate that with our presence. And trust me, guys, they are just as good at picking up on whether we're fully there as our wives are, you know. I know Becky loves that. What did I just say? Busted. Yeah, I was thinking about this, or I was reading this, you know. Kids pick up on that, but they probably won't be as bold as your spouse. They'll just clam up and shut down, you know, to protect themselves from being hurt by you. They just won't open up to you as much anymore. If they sense that you're not, they're just not that much of a priority to you because you, you got more important things to do, right? Isn't that what that communicates? All of us feel that way. When I'm standing there talking to you and sharing my heart with you and you're like duh, 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 on your phone, you're communicating to me, right? By not communicating to me. I mean, just it's what happens. And trust me, I'm hugely guilty for that, um, for sure. But that's the amazing thing about God. He always has time for us. We're always a priority to our Heavenly Father. Always. He genuinely, authentically cares about us. In fact, he says he is a compassionate God. 
He empathizes with us. He knows what we're going through. He feels it. The crazy thing is he already knows everything about us. He, he knows our thoughts. He knows our knows us down to the very hairs, number of hairs on our head. He knows that. And yet he still listens and takes time when we pray to him. And no one, no one, none of us can ever be more busy with far more important things than God has on his plate. Yet he still takes time to prioritize us, right? And he's our example, so we need to learn to be present for our children, to share with them the greatest gift of our presence. Most of us are also familiar with the scriptures, right? They require children to obey their parents, right? All of us parents know that, that verse. There's a couple of them here we're going to actually read from this morning. However, we can't neglect the verse that follows it, right? And the first one is from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. And this also comes from Colossians chapter 3, verse 20 to 21. I'll start in Ephesians. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. This is what's right. Honor your father and mother. It's the first commandment with a promise. Because if you honor your father and mother, it will go well with you. You will enjoy long life on the earth. But the next verse, verse 4, says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and in the instruction of the Lord. Kind of takes it off of our plate, right? We instruct them to go to the Lord as we go to the Lord. Colossians chapter 3, verse 20, 21. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. But verse 21 says, fathers, do not embitter, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. And so our third and final tip is to speak encouragement, to speak encouragement. Because fathers have a unique, God-given influence in their children's lives to either build them up or to tear them down. You're either doing one or the other. They have a unique responsibility and ability to lead them into boldness and courage. Or to lead them into bitterness and victimhood. Right? Where they're just always the victim of life. Speaking encouragement, words that inspire courage into our children has a huge ripple effect. And we're not off the hook for this one. God doesn't warn mothers. He doesn't warn grandparents or aunts or uncles or cousins or teachers. He doesn't warn any other person, any other role in a child's life on this issue. He specifically calls out fathers. Don't embitter your children. Don't exacerbate them. They'll become discouraged. But rather, train them in the Lord. Speaking encouragement, words that inspire and invoke courage, a boldness into our children's lives to do what's right. In fact, Ephesians 4, 29-32 says this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Let, let what comes out of your mouths only be words that are helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So you see how this really has nothing to do with you? We are to speak words that encourage others according to their needs, that it may benefit also all those who listen. That ripple effect. When we speak encouragement, there is a ripple effect. 
It just doesn't give courage to the person you're talking to. It affects everybody around them as well. And if you're in public, it's also encouraging everybody who is around you hearing those words. It builds people up and it reaches far, far beyond what you realize. But of course, if that's the case, that also means that the opposite is also true, right? And so this continues to go on here. The opposite ripple effect also happens whenever we speak out of bitterness or irritation or anger. In verse 30 it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is God. He has feelings. He has emotions. He has joy. He has anger, bitterness, sadness. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Remember we had that prophetic word this morning. We have been sealed by the Holy Spirit, marked. We were bought with a price, right? In verse 31, we're told to get rid, get rid of it. Don't counsel it or, 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 or coddle it or shove it under the rug. There's only one solution to these issues in life, and that is to get rid of them. Get them out of there. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Get rid of them. No matter what form these things come in, get rid of them from your lives. Because nothing good is going to come from them. Nothing good is going to come from them. And instead, we're told to do this in verse 32. To be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. Forgiving others the way that God has forgiven us. No strings attached. He did all the work. He paid the full price. Then he freely forgives us. Freely forgives us. Right? And so guys, this is no short order. These are very simple words. Live an example. Be present and speak encouragement. But man, if we start doing this as fathers, and by the way, it's never too late. In fact, some of the most powerful powerful things you can do as a father is show them that you've changed right it's never too late today's a brand new day his love his mercies they're all new this morning brand spanking new and fresh we can be a brand new man this morning if we just give these things over to him because what god is asking us to do to live an example to be present to speak encouragement this is what he does for us he's our heavenly father what he's asking us to do, he does for us. And all he's asking us to do is to do that for others. Especially for our children. It's never too late. Let them see Christ in you. That you're a changed man. You're a new person. Let them see it. It's not too late. It's not too late to, to live an example for your kids. Man, will that catch their attention. You know, whenever you, you used to smack your, uh, your hand with the, or you slip the wrench and Man, you used to go into a whole sling of things, you know, like, like the Christmas story, like, oh, fudge, right? <laughs> if they see you do that and, and you're just like, mmm, oh, Th 
they're going to go from like running for the hills because my dad liked to throw things. I, I, I was a runner, you know, whenever you'd get mad at <laughs> You knew something's coming your way, even if it wasn't your fault. It was your fault somehow. You weren't holding the light right, or you didn't grab, you know. <laughs> when they see that change, that's going to catch their attention far more than anything you say, right? Far more. You're going to be preaching the gospel to them by showing them a changed life. And so let's, all of us, not just us guys, but all of us, go to the Father right now. So that we can live these things out. So Jesus, thank you first and foremost for being our example. For living life in the same flesh as a man as we are. You face the same weaknesses and temptations, but you never gave in to them. You always courageously and boldly rose above it. No matter what people were saying about you and slandering your name, you still blessed them instead of cursing them. God, forgive us for screwing it up up to this point, but help us, Jesus, to get it right from this day forward, to follow your example. Forgive us for being divided in our attention. Help us to be more aware of the impact we're having on people around us and to give them our full attention, our full undivided attention, so we can bless people with our presence and allow your presence to flow through us as a result. And Lord, help us. <laughs> help us to speak encouraging words. Forgive us for agreeing with complaining and moaning and grumbling. Forgive us for cursing with our words, Lord. But help us, like you, to speak words that encourage people, that embolden people in their faith in you, Lord. Help us to speak words of life, Life, Lord, help us to speak to that valley of dry bones, Lord. Not just agree with how dry and dead and grim everything looks. Forgive us for agreeing with hopelessness. But help us to be ones who speak prophetically into that valley of dry bones. New life. Help us to speak it, Lord, before it even happens. Help us to speak things into existence. No longer speaking hopelessness, but speaking hope, speaking faith, speaking courage, speaking life. We thank you, Lord, for being the perfect example of our Father and for being our Father. And help us all to parent, spiritually or naturally, Lord, those whom you entrust under our covering as well in your name. Amen. Amen. I invite all guys to come on up. Grab a couple of gifts from these tins here. Don't be shy. First come, first serve, so y'all better run up. Grab the good stuff, right? But whatever you need, take it. If there's more left over, grab some extras. I'd like to see all this stuff go this morning. But this is our gift to you, just to show our gratitude for you guys manning up and uh, being the men of God that we, we know you were created to be. Thank you and be blessed.